2: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. New England's own Ben Helznick. With me this week is my co-host, the lead investigator for East Bridgewater, East Bridgewater's <laughs> most haunted, the blonde bombshell herself, and Carrigan.
3: Woohoo! Hey, I came back.
2: Can you hear me? All right.
3: Yes. Can you hear really?
2: me? Yeah. It's like I think I need a new headset because I'm getting, I don't know. You hear that? I'm just getting old. It is just gotta
3: getting old. The, yeah. Out of the pasture or That's whatever. That's got to be it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
2: did you enjoy your uh, turkey uh, day?
3: Yes, I did. I had a great time with our family in Virginia Beach. Had an awesome, uh, awesome, stress-free turkey day. It was great. Awesome. How was yours?
2: Free turkey day. Yeah. The hell was that?
3: Nice. <laughs> it's where I don't have to have it at my house and deal with any of the BS. Oh, so. no, whatever. That's a stress-free turkey day. <laughs> whatever. And there was only seven of us, so that was even better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really?
3: Yeah. How was your turkey?
2: Yeah. Uh, I was haunted by turkey's
3: ghost. A turkey zombie? Uh,
2: ghost of turkey's past.
3: Yeah. The ghost with of turkey's very, past. Okay. Very,
2: very scary. Hey, so... Um, I, I talked this about this a little bit yesterday on the show, but I did want to mention it again for in case we have a few new listeners. I know we have some of the old ones, but anyways, did you see that uh, firefighter who uh, whose coat got a smudge or something in it and swears it's his brother?
3: Yes, Thanks. I did. As a matter of fact, so
2: what's the deal with that? You believe that, or whatever?
3: Or... Uh, I don't know. I think I think people read things into uh, into things like you see Jesus in your butter or whatever the toast. Don't
2: we do, though. Who, who we say they don't?
3: Well, it's true, but if it makes them feel better, so be it.
2: So be it.
3: Maybe they see it and I don't, but yeah, well, it did kind of look like there was a face in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good me. at faces, but that one didn't look too cool to me. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, huh,
3: it's interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we got another great show for you. Well, first of all, we want to thank our, uh, our winner. I guess he got his. Prize packages.
3: Yes. Yeah. Dicky Dickie Hale.
2: Yeah. Our, uh, we put that winner. up on our uh our oh. uh what is that? Ghost Chronicles the next no, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation fan page, I think it's called. Am yes. I right with that? Is that what it is?
3: Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh I guess it's a fan page, yeah.
2: Yeah, That's so that should be uh we should put that on there anyway.
3: Yes, absolutely, but it, we big, uh, I don't see Dickie in the chat room, but he might be mis- listening, and uh, we really appreciate that, and uh, it was really nice of him to do that.
2: Yeah, we should put all our uh, winners on.
3: Yes, very cool.
2: Yeah, anyway. Uh, and for those who haven't, uh, join us in the uh, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation fan page, mm-hmm. which is, if you're on Facebook, you just go on, and I guess you like it or something. Yeah. I still can't figure this Facebook crap
3: out. <laughs> just do a search for Ghost Chronicles I'm sure it's going to pop right up yeah. And uh, you just hit the like button And then we'll keep you in the loop With everything that's All the exciting things that we do all the time Right? Right? Ron? Van Helsing?
4: Yeah, whatever <laughs> um, Hello?
3: <laughs> what? Where'd you go? Uh-oh Okay. I think we've lost Ron momentarily.
2: I'm not here. Where oh, am I? There he is. Where am he, I?
3: He's back. I don't know. You got sucked into a black hole or something.
2: Are you serious?
3: I'm totally serious. You were gone. What do you mean, gone? You were gone. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Get a better phone, man.
2: Uh, Maybe I wore it out.
3: Uh, that could be. Uh, <laughs> that <really>
2: could be. <laughs> you know what I'm doing. I'm going to have uh, Eric me on a different phone. See if that works. Okay. Uh but anyways, we're going to do that. We're going to, We have a great show for us tonight. Uh, wait, wait. Speaking of special things, can you hear me now?
3: I certainly can.
2: Okay. So anyway, this deal uh, on the twenty second, we will be broadcasting live from Circles of Wisdom in Andover. We have Elizabeth Foley, Angels. America's angel, angel Expert. We have uh, Dorothy who's going to give us the next year's forecast. Uh, 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 we're going to be collecting socks for the homeless. Uh, All right. Uh, we've got lots of prizes. Everything is still, going to be 20% off. We're going to be giving away things. We're going to have snacks. Oh, it's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome.
3: Excellent. I'll have to bring some socks with me, huh?
2: Oh yeah, 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 and and no. anybody who brings a pair, they'll definitely uh, they'll be in the drawer when it gets to, bring it to the store, so that's even cool too. Very cool. Anyways, we have a great show with us tonight. We we have uh, Karen Be Good. Karen Be Good. I like
3: yeah, I was gonna say it should be a song,
2: right? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, uh, we're gonna play an episode of, of Beyond Bizarre, and Eric's gonna call me back on a new number, and we're gonna get this all straightened out. So excellent. Go. We'll be right back. Okay.
0: Rising from the Grave In his book, Scottish Body Snatchers, True Accounts, author Norman Adams paints several gruesome tales of premature burial and inadvertent rescue. Among them is the account of Maggie Dixon, who was hung in 1724 in Inveresk, presumably for a self-induced abortion that she had attempted to conceal. Maggie was hung in the town square and it is said that the hangman pulled and swung on her legs once the noose was tightened and the ladder was kicked out, just for good measure. She was cut down, apparently dead, and her body was put in a cart by her relatives to be taken home for burial. Along the way, the family and friends of the deceased Maggie stopped for a drink. While the mourners were inside the alehouse, Maggie regained consciousness. Her weak cries attracted help and she was revived by a local surgeon. Later, she was granted her freedom and went on to live many years, being widely known as Half-Hang-It Maggie. A similar tale is one from Aberdeenshire, where Marjorie Elphinstone was buried alive and rousted from her premature, eternal slumber by a grave robber who was trying to steal the rings from her fingers. And there is the story of the minister's wife, Margaret Halcrow. She was saved from an untimely fate when a Sexton attempted to rob her grave and found her alive. Her husband was quite shocked to find her knocking on the door one evening. A Terrifying Tale from Varla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar, available now wherever books are sold. <clears throat> that was
2: a good one. Yeah, and we back. I don't know, I didn't hear it. I was trying to get back in.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. That's the so... lady they buried and she wasn't really dead was... Knocking on the husband's door. Let I like her in. that.
2: You know what? I'm going to do that when I come back.
3: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah,
2: you to watch y'all come to your door.
3: Yeah, but she was never really gone. Huh? They just, they, she was prematurely buried.
2: Prematurely buried? Yep. I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are waiting for our guests to come in. So while that happens, because I guess we have a little bit of a mess up so what else is new oh wow okay so what else do i want to talk about? oh yeah we talked about that event that we're doing on the 22nd which would be really great um yep i'm actually don't you know uh i'm doing that in honor of my mom my mom used to she passed away a couple months ago and Mm -hmm. she also used to always collect socks for the homeless because you know even when they're in the shelter they go out in the daytime they they don't have warm socks or something that's like you know, because you go through them, you know. Hopefully, you would get a new pair every day, but in their case, they they don't. Right. Oh, well, at least they have a few nice warm socks.
3: That's really an excellent idea. But you know, I would never think of. I would think of like you know hats or mittens, but I guess I just wouldn't think about the socks. But like, if your feet are cold, your whole body's going to be cold,
2: right? Well, in my case, if my nose is cold, my whole body's cold.
3: Oh. <laughs> Anyway,
2: right. I do believe we have our guest on the line now, and I am proud to present the author of "Kids Who See Ghosts" and how to guide them through their fears. Maybe I need that. Anyways, she has a great name, Karen. Be good.
4: Don't you love that? Hello. <laughs> is that Hi, Karen. Your,
2: is that
1: your
4: real name? It is. Be come on, example. come on. Be, be truthful. It stands for Banta, which is my maiden name. And when I started uh, in the publishing business, the publishers wanted the formal name. And the really joke, the really bad joke about all of this is that my mother used to say, "Now, Karen, be good, Karen." Uh, you know, I'm glad it wasn't great or wonderful or or crazy or something. You know, but that really is my name.
2: Oh, but it's cool. And and you said your mom used to. Uh, I always say that, so that's kind of cool how things happen for me, How we like live, what we're programmed
3: to live. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well,
2: that's one way of looking at it. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and I also understand you are a doctor as well.
4: I am. I have a doctorate in counseling psychology, yes.
2: Oh, God, I need a lot of that. Could be, you could write a book on me alone.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we'll sign you up,
3: Ron.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, most of my <laughs> listeners will attest to that. One day, well, Anne.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. But, Absolutely.
2: Uh, so, what got you interested in Kids Who See Ghosts, among other things? You've written about a dozen books, but I, uh, we, we're basically talking. No, you can talk whatever you want, but I find this intriguing, anyways. So, what got you so, interested in Kids Who See Ghosts?
4: This particular wonderful book happened by um, circumstance in a way. I started a blog on raising intuitive children and I didn't know what to write. I'd never done one before. So my husband suggested that we watch the T V show on A and E Channel which was Psychic Children who see ghost. It was the first airing. So I wrote about that and I guess viral marketing kicked in because I got uh several thousand comments and questions Over a week, and then it grew to ten thousand over a couple months, and people were asking me, "My kids sees ghosts, but they won't sleep in their room. What do they do?" So I didn't get the, uh, you know, the high. My kids sees ghosts, and we love them in our home. I got. What do I do with my 2-year-old who's sleeping at the foot of my bed because he's scared to death? And mm. what do I do because my 18-year-old just confessed that he's been seeing ghosts all of his adult life? <laughs> How do I handle that? Wow. Wow. So, you know, it was just a perfect opportunity to, to help parents who don't have knowledge of this thing to help kids face their fears or move through them or play through them or have fun with it but to not get all uptight and scared unless it's really a very, very, you know, frightening experience, in which case we refer them out. But that's what got this book written. Okay.
2: So let me ask you this. Did you see ghosts when you were a kid?
4: I saw scary things, and I was raised in a very Irish Catholic family, so I actually... I actually saw a saint, a person that the Catholic Church now calls a saint. And I didn't realize who it was until I was older. Um, I, I used to see this friar with a bald head, and sometimes his hood was up and sometimes not. But he was a very peaceful energy, a very tender energy. I don't remember the conversations, but I do remember seeing him. And when I was graduating from... uh High school, my mother's Catholic newspaper came, and she opened it up, and that monk, that was a real person who lived in Italy. His name was Padre Pio. Wow. And he had died in 1968, and I stopped, and I turned to my mother, and I said, do you remember that spirit I used to see? I said, that's him. And I did a little research, and it turns out, you know, years later that he was known to locate, which means to appear in a spirit as a spirit over battlefields in Italy in World War II, and he's you know the President Catholic w- Church w- documents healing, so it was wait, 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 wait. weird. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold a second. Father Pio, he
2: was modern. He didn't. He wasn't old, right? Am I we talking about the same one?
4: When I saw him, it was just a monk with a hood, but mm-hmm. a very specific face. And okay. when he died, I don't know how old he was, maybe in his 70s or 80s. Okay. So uh-huh. uh, that was, I guess, what, years after? I mean, I grew up in the 60s, right, born in 51, 61, 71. So. You're a youngin'. <laughs> I'm a youngin'. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, um, so why that's are you... What I think. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm done. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> why, um, why do you think, why do children see
4: ghosts? Do you well, have an I idea? think there, there's two levels here. I do, because I've done a lot of talking with parents and I've done a lot of, of kind of home histories, with what's going on in your household. And I do believe there are children who have a very strong intuition, great intuitive intelligence, that do see things. And I feel, on the other hand, there are children who are really stressed. And when the adrenaline pumps all those stress hormones to the temporal lobes, people see things. Thirteen-year-olds mm-hmm. see shadows. A uh, right. young girl who lost her grandfather started seeing shadows at school and at home. And when she realized it was stress, she actually controlled it, refocused, and took, you know, took care of herself. So I believe there's genuine gifts, and I believe there's there's a lot of stressed out uh, and depressed children out there who are also having a very hard time.
3: Ah, oh, okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't think about stress bringing that on, but I I guess it certainly could.
4: Right. I think that Sonia Choquette, who I interviewed in this book, who is a well known medium and well published she made a statement in one of the interviews that made a lot of sense to me, which was I get a lot of tweens, young girls, who write me and say I'm depressed, I'm seeing shadows, I can see ghosts, but they won't talk to me. And Sonia Choquette's point was that children who are very moody or emotional and going through hormonal changes, it's not that, you know, go suddenly walk into their room or they suddenly have a talent. It's more like they don't have any emotional boundaries. It's like their empathy and their daydreaming carries them to different realms. And, and, you know, maybe they walked into the the spirit realm, this is her point. Mm -hmm. And even though she was teasing, you know, I'm beginning to look at empathic Men and women, sensitive children in our day, who really may just not have a lot of boundaries—emotional boundaries, energy boundaries, psychic boundaries—and uh, they might have some of these experiences at one time or another.
2: Hmm. Yeah, we've always talked about a theory that uh, we actually brainwash our children uh, into not seeing ghosts. I mean, they seem to be more open when they're young, and they actually see spirits. And we keep telling them, you know, you say, oh, there's, there's a, you know, somebody in my closet. You always say, oh, no, there's no one there. It's just your imagination. And you just keep going over and over again. And eventually, your brain will uh, block it out. Actually, you become brainwashed and say, oh, yeah, there's a ghost there. Your eyes might see it, and you and you might see it, but your brain is saying, no, it's not there. It's just your imagination. So you you're exactly
4: right on. I agree with you.
2: So you believe it's a it's type of uh, like oh, a parental brainwashing? It sounds kind of harsh, but in a way it is.
4: Well, in our culture, there's a lot of people who simply don't grow up that way. In right. other cultures, like one of the Native American children whose father discussed the way that he was raised, in his culture spirits of the ancestors and spirits of family members are normal to see. And he told me that his son was raised by grandmothers, His, you know, the maternal and paternal grandfather. Then halfway through the interview, he told me that these grandmothers were dead. They were not living in physical bodies, but they were spirit walkers, and they were there to teach – his son something. So his son actually went to kindergarten in the regular school system and, you know, he went and he talked with the teacher about the way that his son was raised and if he ever brought it up to please call him and let him come share the culture with the class rather than, you know, get the child in trouble or or something like that. So I believe if brainwashing is the right word, the brain does get washed. I mean, that's kind of a literal joke on all of this because at mm-hmm. five, six, seven years what the child hasn't used in neurons and synapses, you know, get pruned. It, it, There's a wash, literally, it washes itself. And then we go through another awakening, you know, in these hormone changes in, in adolescence and sometimes I have moms and dads who say, my child's seeing a ghost, and I can't believe I'm seeing them again. I think I had this experience when I was a child. So that brings <laughs> up, hey, is it genetic? Wow. Right.
2: A lot, a lot of it actually has to do with the culture and, and the way you brought up. I mean, For instance, uh the Greeks believe that when a person dies, their soul roams the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, that's their belief. So if they see a spirit or anything, it's, it's not a big deal to them because they expect it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's more accepted. And, and, and the Russians, for instance, they, they believe in house ghosts, where, where you actually take your ghost with you. And we're talking ghosts and spirits interchangeable right now. Um, with you when you move to a different house. So I mean, <laughs> I like
4: that one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, 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 they were more protective, uh, and they are accepted. So a lot of cultures accept spirits more than we do, or, and we think more of the, the scary ghosts and, and the hauntings rather than, you know, loved ones that have passed or, or uh, you know, uh, guardian angels, if, if if I may, or spirit guides. You know how you look at it. So
3: sure. Ah, pack up the ghost, honey. We're moving. Yeah. come on, guide. Let's go. Yeah, it's like the the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. Come on, get in.
4: We're going. Go. Well, I like one mom whose whose daughter sees ghosts, and she just sets a place at the table for the imaginary friend, and the friend goes in the car, and uh-huh. and the mother can can feel the energy of of the spirit. So the mother, uh, you know, they believe they have a house guest or a house ghost. And they treat it as if it were just a member of the family and laugh and have fun and, and don't get scared about it at all. So there you are. Wow.
2: And the other point, too, is, is that kind of irritates me, there are a lot of people who do have spirits of ghosts in their house, and they almost treat them like pets. You know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> like pets? <cats? laughs> yeah, it's rather <laughs> yeah, than a member of a family that uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's our ghost. You know, it's like that's our cat. You know, it's like our It's just... Uh they don't even consider them as human in, in quotes. Uh, you know that they're really just, you know, humans without bodies basically. Uh, exactly, spirit walkers. That works. I like that word, spirit. <laughs> I might change my name to that, <laughs>
3: Why do you think that we have um spirit walkers like that go like from place to place? You mentioned that with the the earlier vision the child was seeing
4: you know from my experience just as limited as it's been in the people that i've interviewed and the children and families i've talked with it seems to me that there are loved ones who do stay with their families or hang around to see how the if you will, their evolution develops or their genetic line. Mm -hmm. I also feel that there are individuals who uh, have memories here and they replay those memories. Sometimes I think they're like energy imprints, the trauma patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also believe we do have guides and teachers and angels. I I believe in all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess it depends on what level you're speaking with. But, you know, I've, many children have, have told me of their guides they think of as friends. Other children have told me that, you know, their grandpa visits them. And um, I think in those families it's perfectly normal and very well accepted. Hmm. But they don't talk a lot about it, but that's the way their family works.
2: One of the most interesting shows that I, I did back in our early days on uh, WCM in Lawrence is we interviewed this woman who uh, used to teach grief management to uh, EMT, MTMs, whatever they are, and doctors, uh, and, and she used to always tell me about, uh, she would go into hospices and stuff where, where children went to uh, uh, basically die from, from cancer, and, and they would see relatives who had passed, and they would, they would just talk of them so matter-of-factly, and, and they weren't afraid of, of death because these relatives were there or, or people they knew. And I always thought that so fascinating that the, these young children would, uh, uh, could see relatives who had passed, and, and it actually made their passing a lot easier.
4: Very much so. I, um, I'd like to share a story with you once When I, this was back in uh, the early 90s, I had gone with my parents. I I visited my parents in Lawton, and we had to drive to Oklahoma City to say, they wanted to say goodbye to a friend of theirs who was dying of cancer. And they didn't know because they were going on a cruise when they might be back. So I went with them, and we said goodbye to their friend. And as I was walking out the door, this angel appeared at the headboard of this man, at his head, and and looked at me, and I saw this angel, and he said, Tell this man to call his family. I'm here to, to take him home, here to take him over. And I walked out the door and all the way to my parents' car because I just I couldn't do it in front of my parents. They really didn't know this side of me. And the angel was insistent, and I walked all the way back in, and I told my parents' friend to please call his family, and I gave him the message. And he, he cried, and he picked up the phone, and his his daughters and wife came and they spent the most beautiful evening together and he died in such peace and the wife called me later to thank me for that and that's something that i i have heard people in hospice speak about that when the angel comes or when the relative i
2: thought i got to cut you off here but we have to take a break right now you're listening to ghost chronicles and we're talking to karen B. good and we'll be right back after the following messages
1: Welcome to Net radio with a cutting edge. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number 1 with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports. You name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Net. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Kirk Deswalt. And learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswald is the creator of the Rockstar System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing boot camps, check out the website Craig dot com, So you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field. So more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doeswall. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on druggienet.com.
3: And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation.
2: Yes, Scott. And our very special guest is Dr. Karen Begood. I love that name. <laughs> anyway, uh, she is the author of Kids Who See Ghosts and several other books. And, and Karen, do you have a website?
4: I do. Kids Who See is offers book excer- ep- excerpts and... Uh, They can purchase it there, and they can read the blog to find out what parents are asking and what their um, questions are.
2: Okay, that's excellent. So the blog is right on there?
4: It is, yes.
3: Yes. I was actually reading that tonight.
2: Yeah, that's my website as well, because uh, that would be a great... uh, Because I I actually get calls all the time from people uh, who have young young children who uh, see spirits and stuff, and... Uh, I'm certainly no expert on it, so that would be great to have another point of view. Anyways, I guess uh, we have a caller in here, so why don't we bring our caller on the line? Uh, Mike, you there? Hi, I'm yeah.
3: here. Hey, Mike. Hi. How you uh,
2: Hello.
5: Hi, Mike. Hi. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted, I just wanted to uh, relay a uh, story that happened to me uh, about my daughter. Um, this happened uh, when she was probably about two years old or so, maybe a little a little bit older. Uh, it was actually two... Uh, now, two stories that are very, very interesting, but it's, uh, it's right up the show's content for tonight. Um, uh, she was, uh, brushing her teeth one day, and, um, I heard her scream. And, um, so I ran into the, uh, into the, uh, the, the kitchen. I'm like, you know, what's, what's going on? why did you scream? And she said, um, that she saw a girl. And I said, what girl? And she said she was, she was, you know, in that little kid's voice that, uh, this little girl was standing in the doorway looking at her. I said, but there's no girl here. And she said, Well, she went away. And I said, Well, what did she look like? And she described this little girl with a, all dressed in white, with a white hat, a white dress, white gloves, and she's holding a little handbag. She so said, Their eyes met, and that's when she got scared because she turned around. and She was looking right at her. And it scared her, and she just kind of rose up a little bit, and she just, you know, in the blink of an eye, she was gone. And that's something from a, uh, you know, from a two year old that, you know, she wouldn't lie. She wouldn't know how to make up a lie. So what she saw was definitely something very definitive and something that she could describe. You know? Um, the other story that I have...
2: Well, B, well, let me ask you this. How did
4: you yeah. handle it?
5: Um, I, I have always told her to be very open with it and to be um, not afraid and to make friends with her because maybe she wanted to have a playmate. We always encouraged it. Uh, we never told her that it was a ghost and you should be afraid. It was always the opposite direction we were going for, you know, to be friends with her or, you know, she's probably afraid of you and so on and so forth. So we nurtured that aspect of, you know, her ability as long as we could um, as a child. So uh, the other story that I have, um, which is even more interesting, um, and I'll try to make this really quick, um, we had uh, some guests over one evening and um at the end of the night um, we were still up talking uh, one of the guests had gone to bed and um my daughter had fallen asleep on the couch and around midnight she woke up and she was yelling and um like she had a bad dream so we calmed her down we said what's the problem you know what's your what's your uh you know what what's what's making you so scared and she said that um you know pat and the man were talking i said pat and the man what man and she said pat and the man were talking so we calmed her down far upstairs to our room to sleep, and uh, she said, um, you know, that Pat was talking to this man, and it scared her. And we said, well, what man was this? Because we didn't see a man. And she pointed to the open doorway and said, that man. So she was still able to see the man. And later on, uh, the next day, well, actually it was in the morning, uh, I asked Pat about this, this uh, you know, this, this occurrence that had gone on, and um, she said that before she goes to sleep she uh, does astral projection and she met up with the spirit she believes the name is john and um, that's what my daughter had seen she had seen the astral form of pat talking to the spirit john who um i believe i've recorded in the house my uh, digital recorder
2: that that kind of blows my mind all right all right Mike, right yeah, it is. I, I'm going to uh, let you hang up right now. I'm going to have uh, Karen uh, comment on that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye, Bye. Bye-bye. So, so, Karen, what's your thoughts on on those two instances?
4: Well, I love the way that they uh, encourage their daughters non-fear. You know, just embrace it. It's part of life. Let's have fun with it. I, I do believe that a child could see if spirit was visiting the house or was called to visit someone there i have one story in kids who see Ghost about a mother who was doing a sacred ceremony to sell her house she followed native american tradition and she had said goodbye to the guardian of the land this was a huge lovely field and farm they lived on and at the time she said goodbye to the spirit that they were selling the house, her little three-year-old came running and crying, saying, Mommy, Mommy, my rabbit friend says we're going away. And he said goodbye and that he won't see me anymore. She'd been playing with someone that looked like a rabbit to her. So I don't know if this guide was appearing as a rabbit, but it was just instantaneous. The child came running out of the house at the same time the mother said goodbye. So did they have a psychic connection? Or is there, you know, a being there that everyone can see in their own way? It's interesting.
2: There's so much we don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I've talked to, well, first of all, you know, as far as experts in the field, I mean, you're a doctor, okay? You have a degree in, once again, what was that?
4: Counseling psychology.
2: Counseling psychology. And, you know, we've we've had uh, Dr. Karen O'Keefe on the show, who's a parapsychologist, and a doctor as well. And then last week we had a a physicist on the show, and each one of them had their own little thoughts on what the paranormal, yet there really, to me, is no true expert in the field of the paranormal uh you know, they each are looking at it from their own point of view. I mean, you're looking at it from your, your uh, experiences in, in your council. I mean, granted, there's we might have experts who are drawing on their experience, but really as far as uh, an education into the paranormal, the field is so, um, so new that there there really isn't a, a definitive uh, uh, Wow, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically...
4: Like <laughs> so an agreed-upon culture or definition or something?
2: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's really tricky. A true expert, I mean, we all have our own points about it, but it, it's such a non-proving field that it, it's so difficult to prove uh, any of our theories uh, in itself uh, if we use, like, two sides. For instance, I noticed in your book you have my good buddy Joe Nickel on there. And, I'm sorry, I you missed know, Who? Joe Nichols yeah, yeah yeah, yeah now now Joe is a so-called expert in the paranormal, even though his degree is in English literature, so I mean uh, what what does make how does that make him an expert in the paranormal other than
4: experience? I interviewed Joe for the book because he was a skeptic, and the original people who I agreed to interview for this book were a very well-rounded uh, audience of therapists and parents and psychics, and Joe being the skeptic, and other people like even the karate expert, you know who had seen a ghost when he was a kid and but works with children who have seen them so I, I think Joe's comments here give people permission to not believe if they don't want to believe, but he and I have a common ground in that we believe we want parents to believe their children, but you know. You don't need to jump to uh, conclusions or tell them no or tell them yes. You know, what about just listening? What about calming the fears? So we had an agreed-upon point in this book, I think. And, And as far as expert, I mean, you're exactly right. We all come to this from our own personal experiences. And by speaking with you or speaking with other people, we find commonalities. And of course, you know, we share our commonalities and our stories. That's that's our human touch here.
2: Right. I mean, I like the way you point of view because you're looking at it through your background. And uh, I, I find that interesting because you're, you're thinking more of the child themselves rather than, you know, just as a, a larger picture. You, you know, you're actually looking at and concerning about the, the child. Uh, but, but each of the experts always look at whatever topic and their – I mean, whatever thing they're interested in uh, through their own eyes, basically. I mean, a physicist is looking at it to prove – I mean, we had uh, uh, Loomis on the show who was phenomenal. I mean, he – he was showing uh, physics how that explains the trilogy. Uh, being an old Catholic, you know what the trilogy is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he was, showing, he was uh, demonstrating how physics could prove that. And, and uh, even dowsing and different things. It was interesting to look at uh, those particular things through his eyes as a physicist, as well as in your book, you're looking at it as a, uh, I hate to say counselor, but you, you know a lot more than a counselor, but at that same psychology uh, uh, level
4: so I, 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 well yeah you know I mean the book has been designed basically to help parents deal with children's fear of the unknown and I've, I've run into so many beautiful educated parents who just have questions you know there wasn't anybody who said um, you know there's a demon in my home what am I going to do but there's somebody, you know, it's like there's a demon in my home. I had my house blessed. The demon's gone, but my child is scared. Okay, they took care of whatever happened in their home, but their child is still scared. Right. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like do you want to grow up being an adult who's still frightened of something you can't see? No, you need to be empowered, you know, to to choose for yourself and to make these decisions. So that was the point of it and the stories i think are fun the stories are hey mom you know i see ghosts now and there are some wonderful psychics who grow up and make a living for themselves and you know <laughs> yeah i it's okay. i mean, I mean
2: you, you had john Holland in, in the book who was you know a great medium and uh yes, had, he's a wonderful man yes he he's, a, he's a, and he's very sensitive too as far as uh, what he does
3: so you must have to um I mean you you've got a child who's who's scared um because they're seeing the spirit and and the parents are probably equally as scared how do you how do you counsel them how do you calm them down you know how do you do that
4: Well the first thing I find most parents want to do is jump in and talk about it. What happened? Tell me about it. What did you see? Did they say anything to you? Blah, 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 blah. So the younger children need to be felt and touched and calmed. They're still in the brain development portion where this, you know, g- gut-gripping fear uh, throws them way off into a, a dreamy space, and their bodies like throwing a tantrum or reacting or frozen. So those children need hugs touch being removed from the space that they're seeing and we use play you know one man went to the store and bought a pirate sword and a hat and he and his son went into the closet in the bedroom where the ghost was Mm -hmm. and bought it off you know for the son's sense for other children older children We teach them how to focus their their thoughts. We teach them how to close the psychic doorway. We teach them how to take control of their energy field, even if it's through their imagination. There's a little girl in Colorado who talks to ghosts all the time up in her mountain home, but she doesn't like taking showers and going to the bathroom because she feels she's seen. So she created a rainbow wall and asked everybody to stay behind it. That works for her. So I'm not passing judgment, but there are ways to bring the center back home, to bring your common sense back in. And so the more fearful the child, the longer it takes, if they're younger, to work it through. Hmm. And okay. the older that they are, then you can start teaching them uh, uh, to train them themselves to handle it, to deal with it. You know, one of the most basic questions I have to ask tweens and teens is, what kind of relationship do you want with these ghosts? You're curious, but you're scared. You want to talk to them, but you don't. You think they need help because you watch ghosts whisper and you want to do this when you grow up.
3: <laughs>
4: so, you know, right. we have conversations like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Ghosts. Simply accepting where they are. No judgments. Now, I, I one of the things I
3: noticed when I was looking at your blog earlier is... Um, he talked about choosing whether or not to have a relationship with a ghost. And, mm-hmm. you know, can
4: these children make that choice, you know? There are some teens who choose to do so, mm-hmm. and it's not that they're bothered by it either. Um, there was a 16-year-old man who had been seeing ghosts most of his life, and he... Have conversations about life with them. That's his way of dealing with it. Uh, there's a case in the book of a young girl who uh, brought a ghost home, so to speak, to her mom's apartment from her dad's apartment after the divorce. And this young ghost never went away for a year and a half. But we followed the child. We made sure she wasn't depressed and the mom and dad journal to make sure she was okay. And at a year and a half, you know, this little girl said the ghost was gone, and, and they had talked through, you know, losing parents. So did she make him up? I don't know. If she were four, we'd have done play therapy. But she was 12, and her parents did not want her on medication. Mm-hmm. So we just accepted the fact that this is a part of the child's life right now, and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. So we I, I find it so
2: interesting that, that you know, we have people like you that accept uh, the possibility of spirits. Well, I guess you're more than accepting the possibility. You're pretty much believing there are spirits, correct?
4: I do, yes. Right. Some of and, my personal experiences as an adult are kind of undeniable in my world, but, you know, that's who I am.
2: So are you looked, uh, looked upon, uh, frowned upon by your colleagues, or, I mean, are you accepted? They accept you for what you do, or?
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe they think I'm a nice person, but some of those colleagues that I was going to interview for this book did not follow through. So that's, that's part of the game.
2: I, I know that that's the interesting fact. I mean, but I, I have always found that uh, if you're pretty open, then people will come out of the show. I mean, I, I used to be on the uh, Harvard Pilgrim Appeals Board, and I sat on the board with the psychiatrists, sociologists, lawyers, doctors, doctors, uh, you know the the host feel, and they all knew what i did and and yet they all had their little stories they would tell me they you know they weren't shy about it uh every time i went to a meeting they you know i'd get there early and they'd, they'd all always wanted to hear what i was up to prior to it so i i think there's uh, more of embo-
4: i get more, more of that i get more of well let me tell you about this time when i was 12 and went camping in gettysburg yeah. exactly yeah yeah right but so, later on they don't want to you talk can't about do it, it. Yeah, yeah. When we're friends, you can talk about it, but professionally, interview for the book. Uh-uh. No. Oh, it never happened. Yeah, I respect that. <laughs> it's,
2: <difficult. laughs> well, it's, it's so interesting. I, I can't believe this, but uh, we we pretty much run out of time. On this. I, I oh wow, yeah, I know it just flew by. It's excellent. So cool. Anyways, um, our guest has been Dr. Karen B. Gooden, who, who is the author of the book "Kids Who Can See Ghosts: How to Guide Them Through Fear." And, God, I need that. But you don't know, need that. Is Richard, Richard needs that more than anyone. Richard uh-huh. Uh But, Karen, we want to thank you. Oh, give out your website one more time, please.
4: Yes, com.
2: Okay, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, the book is available everywhere on Amazon and uh, uh, also in um, Barnes & Noble's borders and so forth. So, so Karen, thank you so much. And, and uh, it's a really good book. I highly recommend it.
4: Thank you all. Have a wonderful evening. Oh,
3: thank you. You too.
2: Yeah. Bye, bye now.
3: Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: Oh, that flew by.
3: Yeah, I know. Well, it was so, it was so interesting.
2: Great topic. Yeah, it's time for another episode of Cemetery Tripping. Oh,
3: boy.
6: Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I feature cemeteries that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. As an avid taphophile or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for Cemetery Tripping. Tonight, I would like to tell you about King's Chapel Burying Ground in Boston, Mass. Established in 1630, it is Boston's oldest burying ground and was located on the outskirts of what was then a new Puritan settlement. It was first called the Burying Place prior to the opening of Crops Hill Burying Ground and then called the Old Burying Place. Eventually, it adopted the name of its neighbor, King's Chapel, although it has never been affiliated with that or any other church. In the first 30 years of its existence, the people buried here were predominantly English-born immigrants who came to the new world seeking religious freedom and new economic opportunity. Approximately 600 gravestones and 29 tabletop tombs are left today to mark the more than 1,000 people buried in this small space, which is tucked like a bookmark amongst the old and the new buildings. Perhaps the most famous of the gravestones in the cemetery is that of Joseph Tapping, a Boston shopkeeper who died at the age of 23, of whom little else is known. It is one of the most elaborate in the burying ground, and is immediately visible upon entering. It is a work of art conceived by the unnamed carver known as the Charlestown Stonecutter. Some of the beautifully carved, symbolic images show a skull with wings representing the soul leaving the body, an hourglass representing time running out, a skeleton of death snuffing out the candle of life, and a bearded figure of Father Time attempting to stop death. Other notable figures who reside in King's Chapel are John Winthrop, first governor of Massachusetts, Elizabeth Payne, partial inspiration for Nathaniel Hawthorne's character Hester Prynne in The Scarlet Letter, Mary Chilton, first woman off the Mayflower, and William Dawes, who rode the midnight ride with Paul Revere. You can find Paul in the granary just down the street. But that's a story for another time. Two local legends involve that of a coffin made too short for its intended occupant. So the inept carpenter, hoping to conceal his error, supposedly cut off her head, placed it between her feet, and nailed shut the coffin so that no one would know. Another tale concerns a person rumored to be buried alive. A mob raised such a furor that the coffin had to be dug up in their presence and the corpse declared dead by doctors. One of the more interesting items in a corner of the cemetery is a large hole covered by an ornate structure of wrought iron and brick. Tourists often have no idea that this is actually a subway ventilation shaft. It was built in 1896 when Boston's subway system became a first in the country. As you move about the burying ground you will note a common theme, the uncertainty of colonial life as disease, childbirth, and smallpox claimed their victims before their time seven epidemics of smallpox were experienced in boston by 1730 almost a quarter of the surviving grave markers in boston's 17th century burying grounds are for children nine years old or younger the best way to get to king's chapel burying ground is public transportation park street station is just down the street at the boston common a short walk up the hill and you will arrive at your destination just follow the red line of the freedom trail which runs right past the cemetery when you arrive Take a moment to contemplate this incredible piece of history and the changes that have gone on around it. Wow, that kind of Oop. faded out. What happened there?
3: <laughs> I don't know. It was but, supposed to be the changes around it, and it's 364 years on this earth something what happened like there? that. I don't know. I'll have to revisit it.
2: <laughs> I think you will. Kind <laughs> of Probably of faded <laughs> away like my telephone ever now <laughs> Anyway, you know what? I think I might have screwed the time up a little bit on that uh, poor young woman, and I think I might have shot changed her on that.
4: Aww.
2: I do apologize.
3: Ron. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you were just anxious because you wanted to get cemetery tripping on. I know.
2: Well, I, I get yelled at by you for, for that, so I just...
3: Uh, yeah, you would.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, somebody asked me when was the last time I go on a cemetery, but, uh, you know, I'm not like a big cemetery person, so, mm-hmm. I mean... Seriously. How okay. come? They're actually kind of dead for me, if you
3: believe de- uh, <laughs> I think
2: the last one I was in was the one I uh, felt the skull with my fingers and smelled my fingers on the news.
3: So. Ew.
2: Maybe that was a bad experience that I've been reliving in. Uh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> cemeteries are great. I mean, they're, they're them all the time. I, I,
2: they are actually pretty cool, to yeah. be honest with you. They are cool, and uh, I do like cemeteries. Uh, I like God cemeteries especially. I think uh, we have one in Lowell that it's actually uh, oh, an excellent, yeah. excellent uh, cemetery. If...
3: I, I can't wait to get up there. I need to see which Bonnie.
2: Right. So uh, maybe we can arrange something.
3: Oh, that would be great. Mm. That would be great. Hopefully before it snows.
2: <laughs> what are you trying to say?
3: Well, cemeteries aren't a whole lot of fun with, you know, a foot of snow in them.
2: Actually, I... I enjoy the winter better. Really? Yeah, that's when you see the footsteps that lead from nowhere and start from nowhere and end nowhere.
3: (gasps) Oh, that would be good, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, we've got about two minutes left, and I want to invite everybody on the 22nd to come on down to the Circles of Wisdom in Andover, and we will be doing a live broadcast. There we have Elizabeth Foley, who is America's uh, angel expert will be down there, as long as Laura, Laura Wister will be with us, and also uh, Dorothy Morgan, who does the uh, uh, horoscopes there, she'll be looking at the year and ahead, because that's, you know, like just before New Year's, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be collecting warm socks, brand new warm socks for the homeless. That's uh, right. Yep, and I'm doing that in memory of my mom and uh people who bring socks and who will be entered into a drawing and we're gonna give a gift to freak it out. Uh we'll also be having uh food and stuff there too, which will be kind of fun. So and everything in the store is twenty percent off, so it's gonna be freaking awesome.
3: Awesome, do a little last minute Christmas shopping. There
2: you go. Right? right?
3: For all your favorite paranormal people.
2: Right, right.
3: You can get me something lovely.
2: Well, I was thinking me, but that's fine. <laughs>
3: Hey, it's Christmas.
2: Yeah. To giving. And the giving. The point being.
3: Giving. Of- giving.
2: So anyways, we have a great show next week. Yes. We have the same clunk ahead had that called in uh, earlier, right?
3: Wait, what? <laughs> no, I thought he was the 15th.
2: Oh, I don't know. Who's next week then?
3: Uh, Jason Baker. He does uh, photography of abandoned asylums and neat places like that.
2: Oh, there you go. Yes.
3: I'm pretty sure he's next week, and Mike is the week after.
2: Geez, we've got to fix the
3: schedule, shouldn't we? Uh, <laughs> well, we can discuss that later.
2: Yeah, anyway, uh, so tune in next week. We're going to have some guy on anyway. Some guy. Yeah, right. we'll have another, He'll
3: be really interesting,
2: whoever another he brand, is. Yeah, whoever he is. <laughs> another brand-new episode of Beyond Bizarre Inyo with my favorite.
3: La-la-la.
2: <laughs> you know what? She won't take my calls anymore. I wonder what that means. I
3: wonder why. Mm. Strange. (laughs) You want to hear her sexy voice a little too often? Probably.
2: (laughs) I'm stalking her, I think. Uh oh. Uh -oh. Anyways, I know the music has started and uh, it's time to wrap up the show. So that that was really good show. I mean, it's it's interesting because of her degree in the way she looks at it uh, scientifically, which is kind of neat. It is. The book is is kind of cool, even despite Joe Nichols being a <laughs>
3: uh, <so laughs> well, I think we need to say goodnight
2: Yeah. Do you know Joe Nickel, by the way? I do not. Uh, you're not missing
3: anything. <laughs> anyway. Okay.
2: Time to wrap it up. So, say good night.
3: Good night, everybody. Thank you goodnight. for listening.
1: God bless From ghoulies to ghosties, long live.